Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast. My name is Terry Ishi, and today on the roundtable, we are joined by three lovely guests, uh, Brooklyn Colburn in New York City. Brooklyn, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Always good to have you on. And then Alan Bradford, how are you doing, buddy? How's Knoxville? Knoxville's great, man. Always doing good here in Knoxville. Awesome. And then we are joined uh, with our, our first-time guest, uh, Joel Varner uh, from Albany, Oregon. Joel, what's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. How is uh how how are things in the Pacific Northwest? Uh well, a little struggling right now. We got uh, um, some wildfires that have kind of taken over the West Coast, so we're just kind of navigating, helping out our community, and um, how we can help evacuees and help our state recover. So, but we're we're doing good. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. The videos and and. Uh, photos that we've seen like I, I saw someone in the I guess in the San Francisco area uh, took drone footage of San Francisco when everything was just red and then basically laid the Blade Runner theme over the top of it have you guys seen this it is so good uh, it's tragic but it was just a, a moment of beauty immense tragedy so um, that's what yeah. we say because we don't live in Oregon or the Pacific Northwest. We're like, oh, it's beautiful over there, Joel, as you guys are suffering with oh, wildfire. The skies are blood red. Oh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, and I know, uh, so Joel, why don't you give us a little about who you are, too? Like, why are you on this call? What do you do with Forge? All that stuff. Yeah, uh, so uh, my wife and I, Brenna, we uh, run a, a little Forge hub called Forge Albany. Um, we just partner with churches here in the the uh, Willamette Valley area, um, training women and men to be missionaries, uh, just like all the other Forge hubs. Uh, we're part of also the national team as well with Forge America. Um, and so we just are working together with Forge uh, America and just, um, yeah, trying to uh, get men and women to... Um, be missionaries. Cool. So that's that's the uh, fun job. What's the full time day job? Oh, I do marketing for a construction company. That's the stuff that actually pays the bills. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Joel, man, it's so good to have you on. Uh, and even you know, you being on, I think you're going to add uh, a unique perspective to today's conversation. You know, even just what you just mentioned, this idea of how do you help your community amidst this this tragedy of all these wildfires? And you know, you guys were saying that you, you the sun just came out, uh, that you guys were just covered in ash for so many days. And so today we're going to talk about what does it look like? And this is going to sound horrible. And I don't know how we're going to title this uh, for the actual podcast, but taking advantage of culture, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it sounds horrible. But we are presented in a moment in our culture. How do we as missionaries best take advantage of that? How do we uh, utilize the things that we're learning as we uh, continually uh, dissect culture? Uh, last week, we talked about cultural exegesis and the importance of uh, really leaning into that well. And what do we do once we have that learning? Because uh, far too many times, at least in my experience, when I work with leaders, especially church planters, when they take time to learn about our culture, learn the worldviews, learn the longings and needs, uh, it all goes in a file and gets put away, and they just begin executing the plan that they had already came up with or whatever they thought was best. So today, I want to have a conversation on how do we take our learnings 
as we understand culture better and actually like put it to use. Like how do we actually help reveal the rule and reign of God in the everyday spaces of life as we understand our culture? So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that, what you've experienced and kind of what you're doing right now amidst uh, COVID and in the Pacific Northwest and really all of the Pacific Coast, uh, these wildfires. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a, a kind of a give me and hopefully it's not something we have to uh, deal with culturally long term. Um, but it's just kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a gimme as far as um, it's on the everyone's mind right now. It, I don't care, believer, non-believer, um, you're looking to help. Um, you're coming together as a community trying to help one another. And so it's just about mobilizing people in that way, um, showing up uh, and making sure that when you show up, you're, you're working shoulder to shoulder. You're not uh, a bunch of Christians rushing in to save uh, every, the poor uh, heathens. You're, you're working with everyone and you're shoulder to shoulder and you're being good news amongst and alongside all the other people who are helping along. And then saying, okay, then now what does this look like moving forward? Not letting this be a one-time thing, but then how do we continue to be good news uh, in the months and years to come as the healing needs to continue and not just, like you said, forget about it, put that in a file. Oh, we did our good deed uh, for, you know, the week we showed up and we served some meals to evacuees, but now we're actually a part of the long-term healing process um, and we're working together in our community for, for the months and years to come. So that's that's kind of the, the forecast that we're looking forward to right now. Hey, can I ask a real quick question, Joel? And this may be just a little uh, idea of mine. I'd like to see if it, if it plays out. So I like what you said about how Christians, not Christians, it doesn't matter about faith. When you're coming together to help people, when you're coming together, you have a common mission, you're working shoulder to shoulder. Um, has it has it become contentious or has it become like, oh, I don't know, divisive in how you help people? Or is it just everybody's like, we, we got to help some people here? I think most folks have, have gotten past trying to get their... Um, church's name on what they do or, or, or you know, getting their church's t-shirt, uh, you know, out there and doing their service project. I think most folks are, are um, wanting to be shoulder to shoulder and just and just help them be good news, whether or not the, um, it gets branded as Christian or um, branded as their church uh, logo. Um, but there are still some who just still, they're wanting to use this as an opportunity to um, you know, get their church's name out there or, or let people know we're coming in the name of Christ, which is, which is fine. I understand the intention. Um, but I think moving past that and just saying, okay, what's really going to do is not capitalizing on the event, but working towards the relationships. And if you're working on relationships in that, then you're, you're looking more long-term. So I think some folks still, um, are wanting to put the name on it. Um, but I think, other folks are realizing, oh, this is this is a way to show up in the community for the months and years to come. So, so here's my theory. See if this plays out. Okay, um, I love that idea. Like everybody coming together, we got we got a common mission. Okay, here it is, a threat. You know, we got this common mission, and and you see this play out in society. Uh, I've been in church work for a long time now, and it seems to me, and this is, I'm going to label this right off the top. So, Brooklyn, feel free to forgive me now. This is incredibly sexist. But most faith communities, okay, as a whole, have the mentality of a seventh grade girl. Okay, I've got three daughters. One of them is in seventh grade now. What happens is you leave them be and they become internal. It's all about me. It's all about how we look. I want to get my name out there. I want to do all this stuff. And then that's where the 
infighting and bickering starts, right? We've all seen that in the church, whatever it is, whether it's the color of the carpet, the worship songs we sing, all the way up to the big issues of doctrine or whatever. But you give people a common mission, you give them a common goal, and it's like that stuff doesn't seem to matter a whole lot. If I see people like internally, like with strife, and, and they're just like, there's division and dissension in the ranks, there's all this stuff, I feel like it's because you don't have a common goal. You don't have a common thing that you feel is like so important and that you want to get out there and get at it. And I love this. This is real practical right here, right? Like we have wildfires. <laughs> Your skies are blood red, you know, or in the midst of uh, COVID in New York, Brooklyn. I know that was like, I, uh, it's, I don't know. Can you say ground zero? Is it, are we still allowed to use that? Is that, is it, has it been long enough? Can we use that term now? But you guys got hit hard, right? In, in the midst of all this stuff. And it's how do you come alongside each other? Um, and it goes back to that whole Alan Hirsch idea of communitas, right? It's community on mission together is communitas. It is the old band of brothers analogy. It's the football team. We want to win. We want all this stuff, uh, all the sports analogy, all those things. And I love that. I love that that idea of what this actually looks like. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you're hitting on something that I think is it's really plaguing the church uh, today. You know, I, I I get to work with a lot of churches who are looking at revitalization and churches that they feel like they're dying or they're definitely in major decline. And so one of the things that I always try to put their put on their map or put on their radar is some type of common mission. Right. And the, the, the analogy I always use, and you totally just, you know, omitted the greatest movie about communitas uh, is the Goonies. You know, <laughs> you know, a nod to the Pacific Northwest. You know what's up. Uh, but yeah, it's this idea of, can you come up, can you come across, can you come together and have a common mission that, and that's what putting your focus on that really it, it saves pastors lives. I mean, there are guys who are just beating their head because, you know, they've got so much infighting going on and especially with so much things going on right now in the world. Uh, I think that's what's needed. And so, uh, but again, that's a cultural thing. Are you able to identify that? Because we have so many things that we just, it's this, it's like we have all these status quos in the church that we're totally content with, with keeping and having, when if we were to break out of that, put our put our, our minds and our hearts towards uh, something that is really meaningful, which I mean, I think everyone on this call would agree mission is, is a key piece of that. The Missio Day, partnering, participating in God's mission uh, is that, again, no silver bullet, but it's the closest thing we have. When I think it's identifying truly what God's mission is, because I think a lot of churches would say, yeah, we have a mission, but unfortunately maybe it's an unconscious mission of building their own church or building their own kingdom. And so when that's happening, um, when you start seeing the culture around you, you want to see like, okay, um, they're experiencing this brokenness or they're experiencing, this is a, it's an opportunity now to come in and be the hero and grow my church or, or, you know, and somehow kind of label it. Whereas if the mission isn't necessarily growing your ministry or your church, there's really nothing to name, but partnering with God in his mission. Well, what is his mission? His mission is to have this world and areas of brokenness experience his kingdom and his good news. And so then the focus isn't my ministry or the thing that I'm growing, which then can still even create fighting, right? So every, if every, every church's mission is growing their own church, they're all going to show up to all these evacuees and they're going to be fighting over who's going to be the 
best at ministering to these people so they can maybe come to their church. Um, But if the mission is, my mission is actually these people experiencing the kingdom of God in any way, capacity, um, then I'm successful no matter who gets to participate in that, that I get to, there's success in, in any person experiencing that through any other believer. Um, and I'm going to cheer that on. I'm going to encourage that. And so it's, then it's not opportunistic. Um, it's, oh man, that was success because these people got to taste and see the kingdom of God is real. Um, and I, I may not, they may not have been uh, a part of be, become part of my church later on. Um, but they're now part of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And I think what you're, what you're describing is the thing that the title of this podcast felt so gross saying uh, is that's, that's taken advantage in the wrong way. I think where you have these churches that are like, you know, um, we we need to get a hundred t-shirts made ASAP so we can let everyone know where they can show up next Sunday uh, because of, of the things we're doing. And, and I get, I mean, behind that is a good heart. I get that. And we, I mean, please, we don't, we're not trying to judge or offend or, or anything, but it's just, it's, it's not listening to the culture. And I think that's today's topic is how do we as leaders, uh, respond to culture in an appropriate way, what we learn about our culture, how can we respond? And really, I think that the key word is, is partnering is how do we, how do we partner with our community? How do we partner with our culture uh, for a for a, 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 a for the city to flourish, right? Not for um, my church to flourish, uh, not for my building to flourish, but for the city to flourish. How do we do that and, and and engage and participate in that type of work? Yeah. So COVID, you know, did a lot to my city here in New York, and we um, are now dealing with some of the aftermath of, for example, putting a lot of our homeless population in hotels. Um, so there's been a lot of really ugly things that have come out now that um, there's a larger group of homeless people in certain neighborhoods. And so I actually sat in this morning on a uh, Manhattan Borough Community Board meeting. And um, it was really interesting just to hear all of our community boards all across um, Manhattan talk about the different things that their neighborhoods are experiencing. Um, and at the end, the borough president kind of you know summed everything up you know, gave this charge, but she talked a ton about how important it is for the community boards to be partnering with nonprofits and churches in the area. Um, she was like, we can't do this without them. Um, so lean into what some of them are doing. And I thought that was really interesting. And I've actually been sitting on that all morning, just going, so what are the churches doing? Like, what are we, what are we doing to be a part of the solution? So, yeah, like, what, what can we do? Because we can. How are we taking care of, um, you know, the homeless on the street? Well, um, and my councilman um, said at the end, too, he was like, you know, we're, it's, we're heading into the Jewish holiday season and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And he was like, so how can we have compassion on people? And I was like, this is my community board talking. And they're, they're trying to solve things that I still don't see some of the churches in my area doing. Just an interesting thought. And what what I love about that, Brooklyn, is um, and so last time we talked about how uh, Christianity has almost um, sequestered itself from culture, declared culture bad, said, oh, it's ungodly. And so it sequestered itself. It says, we're going to create our own culture over here. And I feel like what we're trying to reclaim is this idea that we're all in this together, right? 
there is no division between the sacred and the sacred. We're all in this together. We're trying to figure this out. You know, we have people desperately trying to figure out how to love and follow Jesus um, and, and how to do that. And, and here you have really what you would call the, the secular world, the government, whatever, saying, hey, the churches are doing some great stuff. And what I love is when the churches do that as well. When they look and say, hey, I'm going to sit in on this Manhattan, what'd you call it? The, the Manhattan Borough Community Board Meeting. Yeah, that one, right? I'm going to sit in. I'm going to go to the PTA. I'm going to go to the Neighborhood Association. And as people of faith, we start bleeding into the cracks and the crevices of all of society like we were destined to do, like we're supposed to be doing. And not just isolate ourselves in a building over here, do that, but really like actually be the people of, of Jesus out in the faith. Yeah, and I think it's important to, to stay here uh, is don't do it for the purpose of power. Like I've seen way too many people that's, oh yeah, I'm going to show up at that meeting. And their whole agenda is they want to infiltrate and really have their spot to be able to influence the way they want, which that's not what we're saying either. Go last week we talked about, be a good listener, be humble. Those are, those are the things that we have to do as we go to those places. And then here's the thing that I, I find that is super fascinating and super helpful is when we're in those moments, can we point out God uh, in, in the spaces where people don't necessarily identify God? Like, can we point out the Imago Dei, the image of God in the people in the room who may never have ever had anyone tell them that, that they, that someone may see God inside of them. And I think that's special. I'm uh, working with some, a church planter, actually, and I'm hoping to share his story on the story of events of this podcast at some point, but they are in Hell's Kitchen and have lived there for a while, he and his wife, and they both applied to be on a community board. So community boards are a big deal in New York City. I still don't really know and understand all of it, but I'm trying to learn. And she got appointed to be on the community board. So she sits in uh, once a month and is on a couple subcommittees and is a part of making their neighborhood um, better. And so she has a you know, firsthand experience listening to and hearing from people in the community. Um, and that's really influenced the way that they have gone about um, starting this new church in the neighborhood. And so to hear them, yeah, do those things, listen and, and change course according to what's going on um, has been really, really awesome to, to hear from and learn from. And I don't want to share all of their stories because you'll get to hear it later. But yeah, they're great. That's fantastic. That's so good. <laughs> um, well, let's take a moment here and let's kind of, let's drill down a little bit. Let's, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on how, how do we best respond to our learnings from culture? Like what is the best response as missionaries, as we look, like what is the implication of missionaries as we learn about a culture, its worldviews, its longings, and its needs? That's a big question, bud. Uh, I mean, that's the, the only thing I could think of is when I put that up against my world. Okay. So when I put that up into my context um, and I think about the idea of listening, the idea of evaluating. So we started this conversation with the idea of zeitgeist, like what's actually going on? What are you hearing? Um, I can give, I can give two kind of stories or two examples. Um, one 30,000 foot and one 10 foot. So the 30,000 foot one is the community that I'm a part of, the church community called Crossings. You know, we, we did what everybody else did. We adapted during COVID, um, which was we went to, to Zoom. We did a faith community on Zoom. 
came up with different kind of rhythms, you know, listen, try to connect with our people, all of those things. Uh, but recently we've been in a, a space of innovation um, and adapting is just saying, how do I just fit what I used to do into this new thing? Innovation is like, what are we going to do that's new? And so we had been thinking and listening. And one of the things that we did is we came up, uh, we didn't come up with it. We actually stole it from a sister church in Atlanta, which they were doing a great, we're like, this is a great idea. Uh, we, we stole this idea of, of dividing our community up into three geographic parishes. So we have a community of maybe 500 people. We divide it up into three parishes because Knoxville divides up pretty easy um, into, into distinct areas, which I'm sure most towns do. You know, you got the west side is this thing. The north side is this thing. And then what we did is we said um, the pastors all serve. We split up the pastors. We all serve that parish. And we said our DNA would be um, really community formation and mission. So community, how are we connected with one each other, taking care of each other? Um, formation, how are we being more like Jesus? Um, how are we actually spurring one another on to be more like Jesus? And the mission, how are we actually um, you know, joining God and restoring the world where we live, work, and play? And then each kind of the leadership in there, that's, that's what we're doing. And we're letting the parish dictate what that looks like. Um, we're saying, hey, so one of the things that we did as a staff, we basically split up our entire community and we just connected, called, visited, emailed everybody and said, what do you think this looks like? Like we have the strat or we have the strategy, right? We know where we're going. We don't have the structure. And the reason yeah. is don't wait for the staff to tell you what this looks like. What do you want it to look like? What's it going to, how, how should we do these things? Okay. And so that was us because in, in listening to culture, what we did was we realized everybody's world shrunk. Um, everybody's world's got really geographic, really quick for the most part. That doesn't apply to everybody, but for a lot of people is like, I'm quarantined at home and I'm just, I'm in my neighborhood or, you know, I'm in this area. Or I, I just, I just do these things now, these three places. That's all I go to. Um, and so the world shrunk and, what we found was a lot of people loved the idea of the parish because of the, the simplicity of it. You know what I mean? The smallness of it, the, Oh, it's just these people. I, I want to get to know these people now. Like, okay, they're the ones that are close to me. I didn't even know they were close to me and I want to get to know them and I want to be on mission with them and I want to be in community with them. And I want to struggle with what it looks like to be like Jesus with them. So that was one. And that's the 30,000 foot view, the 10,000 or the, just the 10 foot view. Uh, uh, here, quick story. Yesterday, I was outside. Um, my my youngest daughter has a gang on our street. Um, it's about five or six kids. And during quarantine, it's just been shut down because everybody has a different threshold in gathering, right? We have one family that just locked it down for five, six months, like did not come outside, didn't do anything. Um, you know, my daughter's best friend has got a different threshold. And then there's some kids across the street that, you know, hey, we could play with them. Um, and, and you're constantly navigating. Well, last night it's getting late. I had to go out, call her in and I look and the whole gang is out on the street. Like everybody's out there. And I'm like, forget bedtime, keep playing, just keep going. Like the, I mean, it was the first time ever in six months, they're all out there. And I'm like, I can't call her in for bed. So they're doing that. And so then one of the dads across the street comes over and we start talking and he's like, man, this is why I moved into this neighborhood. This is, I want this for my kids. I want, and he goes, and he, he started to lament how we had missed it, how, how it's just gone. He goes, can we ever reclaim this? Can we ever have this again? And so I started hearing him and then he starts telling me about some stuff that's going on in his own life. He starts telling me about, uh, he's a professor at a local university here. 
and he um, is telling me about the stress and the isolation that's going on at the university level in his own life. Uh, you know, kids just having breakdowns in class, faculty members having breakdowns, and just the mental strain, the mental health strain of what's going on. And he's kind of telling me stuff. He's telling me some stuff that's going on. He's up for tenure here pretty soon. And and he's talking about the stress and strain that's been on him and what's coming up. And the only thing that popped into my head talking to him, I had no easy answers. <laughs> I had no fixes. You know, I had nothing. I was like, I was like, man, what if, what if like when you turn your tenure in next month, let's let's pull some grills out on the street. <laughs> let's stop the street. Let's get some chairs out. Let everybody bring whatever they want to grill. We'll grill it and just celebrate you turning in your tenure. Now, it's still a month before he realize if he gets it or not. But And so then I, I asked some other neighbors, like, hey, what do, what do you think? We're thinking about throwing some grills out and just getting everybody together. Um, you know, we'll socially distance. We'll do all that stuff. And everybody was like, yeah, well, yeah, let's do that. And and so, you know, culturally hearing about the isolation, I think part of our job is, as, as Christian people saying, Let's just do something small about let's get some people together so you don't feel so isolated. Um, you know, just have that little step of of like, yeah, let's just pull some there'll be some people who say no, like I'm not gonna do that. It's fine, but maybe stepping into it just a little bit. That's so good. That's so good, man. <clears throat> and I love the simplicity of the response. Um, you know, responding to culture, responding to the situation. Uh, it's that's great. Brooklyn, uh, Joel, I mean, when you guys think about the situations that you've been in and as you've kind of navigated culture and these opportunities or however you want to describe them, God moments, uh, how, how, where, where have you guys seen success in responding well? Well, I think when you're talking about figuring out the, the you know, your culture, again, it's, I think we have this us versus them sort of mentality oftentimes. And it's really these common needs that we all have. There's these common longings that we all have as whether that's believer, non-believer uh, and common areas of brokenness that we all have. And I think the reason why we start finding those areas of, of cultural need or, or, or brokenness. Um, and the reason why we put that on the shelf, we file that away is because we don't think that we too also have those same longings or brokenness as well. And so it's really what we need to do is identify, like, actually, we all have these longings. We all have these common needs. We all have these um, uh, common brokenness. And then figuring out how we're going to meet those needs and longings and brokenness together. And it's real simple. Um, and like, like Alan was saying, you know, we, we find these, these three areas of brokenness or longing or need. There's, there's physical need. Um, or physical brokenness, there's a relational need or relational brokenness and there's spiritual need or there's spiritual brokenness. And then we just go, actually, um, where do we find these common areas? And then how do we work on that together? How do we, how do we meet those longings and needs together? So, I mean, when it comes to COVID right now, we've been finding everyone's being so isolated. So there's huge relational brokenness or, or longing. Um, people just want to get together. And so Brenna, my wife, um, ended up realizing like, let's just start doing happy hours in the driveway. And so we just started throwing these little socially distanced happy hours in the driveway and the whole neighborhood showed up um, because they just wanted to be together. And, and so we've been doing that about once a month, just like get everyone together and, um, you know, trying to be safe and socially distanced. But, um, 
just still being able to talk and, and share a drink together. Um, you know, when it comes to physical needs, uh, we've been having a lot of, of evacuees now because of all of the um, uh, wildfires. And so a lot of people have actually moved into our neighborhood um, because they're they're seeking for shelter and so we've our whole neighborhood has been trying to show up and how do how do we help together um these these folks uh, who are hurt you know when it comes to spiritual needs we have a lot of folks who are um new age wiccan uh you know uh, tarot card stuff and so um, we actually start deep diving into that and going like all right what what is the deep need in there and how do we actually um figure out um, you know how we can have a common language that is actually not so foreign that that when someone's exploring something like tarot um, they're actually trying to discover the kingdom of god in, in some way and, and so how do i learn that language and how do we learn that language together so we can actually realize like oh we're actually we're actually having the same spiritual longings um just maybe expressing in a different way um so how do i learn those those things and coming those together so I think it's always about finding those common grounds and finding then ways to um, come together with those common longings and needs and really practical, like Alan said, just simple ways. I throw a barbecue, go out in your driveway, get a, get a book, start reading it together, uh, serve together. Um, just, just do this together. It's not us and them. It, it's, it's the us. Yes. So uh, and to jump on that, uh, N.T. Wright, I think it's N.T. Wright. He has um, the four longings that everybody shares. Uh, doesn't matter. Forget divisions. Everybody shares their four longings. It's the longing for spirituality, uh, the longing for community, the longing for beauty, and the longing for justice. Um, and those those are four. Everybody has those. In fact, actually, I remember after I heard those um, in my offices downtown in downtown Knoxville, there's this uh, alleyway behind our offices. It's called the Armstrong Alley. And it's known for the art. Um, like there's a bunch of graffiti and there's a bunch of artists who've kind of taken it. In fact, there was a, the, a big thing several years ago where they kind of partitioned it off and they would give certain artists certain sections of the walls back there except for this one building that's stuck up and is like, don't deface our building. You'll be prosecuted. And we're like, whatever. But in the graffiti, in the art, I could find all four of those longings. I, I mean, all four spirituality. Definitely. You know, there were just some like, like overly spiritual pieces, the idea of community. Here's the one for you. Um, most graffiti. And I found this out from a friend, most graffiti is done in community and there are, um, uh, groups and so you could find the tags of certain so like in Knoxville we have this group it's called uh, UH uh, I don't know but it's UH and you found their tags everywhere and I'm like that's community um, justice there's all the you know justice there I remember the justice for Mike Brown there's all these different cries for justice and then just beauty just the art of it was so beautiful and I'm like there they are there's the four longings we all have those how do you connect with those you know, label what you want, but how do you connect with those and say, this is what we're going to be about. We're going to move towards these things. I know last week we talked about empathy and kind of this idea of like feeling with, um, but I'm reminded of the super cliche, but still good. Um, you know, compassion is empathy in action. And so how are we having compassion? Um, and, and that idea that stuck out from the councilman today of like, let's have compassion on our neighbors. Um, and I'm just reminded of all of the times in the New Testament where Jesus had compassion on the crowds. Um, and it always led to something like, you know, he had compassion on the crowd and then he feeds the 5,000 kind of in the same story. So how are we modeling our lives after what Jesus showed us in the Gospels too? So I'm, I am mulling that one over personally 
as I continue to go, okay, how do I, how do I live this good news in my context here? Yeah. And I think that's the key part is being good news in your context. And I think that's the, the issue that we can sometimes have in our ministries or our churches is that we want to meet all those longings or all those needs of uh, physical brokenness or relational brokenness or spiritual brokenness, but we want to do it within the context of our church bubbles. So the, a lot of church leaders will be like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're serving a lot. We're meeting a lot of physical uh, needs and brokenness or yeah, we have community. We have a lot of fellowship, but it's within their context of their church or we're, we're meeting spiritual needs, but it's again, within the context of a Sunday morning worship service. And I think it's uh, being good news in your context, meaning, um, how do we go and be good news, not for the sake of our church or within the confines of our, our church structures, but actually within the, the city? Uh, it's out there. Jesus did all of his mission and good newsing out in the world and out into the city. And so when we're saying um, we want to be good news, it's out in the city and meeting people where they're at and it's being with them. Um, and it's not trying to create our own little programs and structures uh, that people can come and join us, but us joining them where they are already active and where God's already active out in the city. Man, that's so good, Joel. Uh, I mean, I love the idea and just the reminder that uh, we're all called to be good news. We're all called to be good news. That's it. And so as we, as we continue to be practitioners, as if you're a leader, as we continue to be equippers, I mean, we have to wrestle with the question that is, how are we teaching our people to learn culture and then how to respond, right? Um, I remember early on in my church planting years, it was like, I, I need to learn culture. So I just watched a ton of TV, <laughs> you know, and it's like, eh, maybe not the most helpful. I did learn quite a bit, but uh, there is, a, there is a, a piece of how do you respond, right? Too many times I've seen people go sit in a coffee shop it's like, I'm learning about my culture and they're just sitting there and it's hanging out in a coffee shop with no plan. It's not really no action plan, not going to get you anywhere. And so I think we have to continue to equip our people to learn and to respond. Uh, it, it, to me, it, I'm reminded of uh, how we how we interact with the Holy Spirit, that we are to still ourselves and listen, learn what the Spirit is saying and then do something about it. Like when we are prompted by God, what are we gonna do about it? And I think the same is true about culture. When we are, are spirit-led sent ones and we interact with a culture and we learn about our culture, we are being prompted by our culture to respond to one of these longings. How do we do it? And so, uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I love Forge. It's one of the reasons why I love each of you that I know you guys are committed to equipping uh, men and women to think and act like missionaries, that we respond appropriately to culture uh, so that the kingdom of God may be revealed in the everyday spaces of life. So thank you guys for being on the call today. Uh, man, I hope this conversation was helpful. Uh, if you are a listener, uh, a longtime listener, we're in season two, so we can say longtime listener, right? Uh, Make sure you like us on the iTunes, uh, which I guess it's like the podcast thing, and then Spotify, and then share it. Let, let, let people know that uh, this is out there and hopefully people are getting something from it. So Alan, Brooklyn, Joel, thank you guys, man. It's great to have you on the call. Good to be with you guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah.
All right, welcome to the Forge. I'm going to start over. <laughs> <laughs>